Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikuchi, and you are listening to Jazz is Travel. Patiently waiting for the changing color of the sea, filled with all regrets. Quietly dreaming of a picture once in front of me, visions of the Everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a brand new episode of Jazz is Travel. This is our weekly podcast series of globe-trotting conversations with or about groundbreaking and innovative artists, talking about the significance of jazz as an art form, the influence of folk music traditions of various cultures and backgrounds, or simply sharing their thoughts, ideas, and insight on multicultural projects and various jazz scenes in different parts of the globe. Vocalist, composer, saxophonist Elena Mack was born in St. Petersburg in Russia and spent years honing her craft and wowing audiences throughout Russia, Europe and the United States, where she currently resides. She is highly regarded for her ability to cross-pollinate jazz with funk and pop and her new album, Feel Again, showcases an even wider range of influences including a little bit of Latin tinges and bossa nova vibes and it does so via three covers and six original compositions. Feel Again is available now, and we're happy to present to you a conversation with her on this episode of Jazz is Travel. So without further ado, fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Here is Elena Mack. Hello, Elena. Welcome to Jazz is Travel. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, what part of the world are you speaking from? Uh, well, right now I'm in, in America, in Seattle, if in you Seattle. know that place. <laughs> yeah, Seattle. It's getting famous. Well, <laughs> sure, well, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I understand that's where you're based. And I know that you were born in uh, the beautiful city of St. Petersburg in Russia. But what I don't know, and I'd love to ask you as an icebreaker question, because after all, this is the first time we talk, is yeah. do you remember when it was that music became a part of your life? Was there like a specific event that encouraged you to go down that path to becoming a music artist? Yes, I remember things very vividly. Um, so f first of all, my family, we kind of were exposed to music, the kids in, in our family, um, 
from very young age because my parents decided to give their children musical education and um, although they both were not musicians so uh my all oldest sisters they were playing one of them violin another piano so when i was born at around age uh, five six um, my parents also found me a tutor for piano and that's where i began my musical journey i just you know was exposed to classical music was playing some uh chopin and beethoven bach and stuff like that and um and then i got enrolled in, into a music school when i was i believe in second grade and um so the teacher changed, right? It wasn't my private teacher. It was some, you know, teacher at the school and the school for, was for gifted kids. So it was very, very advanced. And, um, the teacher was very mean to me. She would beat me like with a ruler, you know, my hands oh. and everything. And, and after three weeks of that, I decided not to do anything with music anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I dropped out. I'm like, I can't do that. And I've basically left uh, music until I was 14 when I heard saxophone. So that's where something changed in me. Like I was on a path to become a lawyer or uh, some, somebody in the business. I was, you know, planning that, working on that. And then I heard saxophone <laughs> and it just like, it was a eureka moment for me. I knew that I had to do that. It was nothing else I want to do more. So kind of yeah. there was a rebirth for me um, in music. Yeah. Yeah. But now I want to know more. So when, <laughs> when is it that you heard the saxophone? Who was playing it? <laughs> Uh, so I was at a church actually. It was a Sunday service and there were, there were some guests visiting from, uh, Riga, Latvia. I don't know if you know, small Baltic country. Of course, um, birthplace of, uh, Eisen, Sergei Eisenstein. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know it. Um, and there was this Latvian musician. His name is Denis uh, Pashkevich. He's a kind of like probably the most well-known uh, saxophone player in Latvia right now. Uh, and he was just playing some tunes, you know, like improvising solo. Not do, like he, I think he played Amazing Grace and some other things. And I was just sitting there and the sound of saxophone, and Dennis has beautiful sound, I have to say. It wasn't just random saxophone sound, it was gorgeous sound. And I was so touched by everything that I heard that I'm like, I need to learn to play that. I have to, I just, this is me. <laughs> It was like pretty, you know, eureka moment, honestly, for uh -huh. me. I've never experienced anything like that when I knew very clearly what I wanted to do. Right, right. Yeah. And was it natural when you picked it up? Did you connect uh, with it instantly? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, so basically by, you know, by 14, I like most people in Russia who are in music, they already finished their music school, which is about seven years, and they have all the... Uh, knowledge of harmony, solfeggio, and uh, their instrument, principal, right? And so I had nothing because <laughs> I dropped out in, in second grade, so I, I knew nothing. And then I'm like, I need to get into this college, music college, the best that's in town in St. Petersburg. Um, and I'm like, how do I do that? Because <laughs> I don't have much time. Yeah. So about, you know, within a year and a half, I actually was able to get into the, pass the exams and get into, get into the school, which was crazy. Because most right. of my opponents or people who were auditioning, they had like at least seven to you know, seven plus years of playing the instrument and other knowledge. So um, I had like only one year, you know, year and a half to prepare for everything. So that kind of, I think it came naturally then. <laughs> right. Oh, it's interesting yeah. what you said about discovering the saxophone. Uh, was that 
in and around the time then you also were introduced to jazz yeah um yes that's exactly when i started actually like trying to find out what it what like what, what the roots of the instrument are and what's the main who are the main players and uh things like that so originally i was introduced to funk and then sure. uh like about a year into it because my first teacher uh, for sa on saxophone was a very very jazz musician like very traditional and he obviously exposed me to the yeah. genre and the music and i fell in love with it it was just instant it was like i was i was always supposed to be there <laughs> right why did it take so long yeah what was it about jazz that you liked uh some people say that it's just uh you know it enables one to to express themselves in a freer way than you know, you mentioned you had a classical background or a background mm -hmm. in classical music and jazz is kind of different in that sense. Yeah, uh, I think it's, um, you know, the freedom of expression and uh, the improvisation because that's mm. something that uh, you can never play the same way a certain tune, you know, the same tune. So what I was really mesmerized by was the complexity the harmonic complexity and then all the lines everything that kind of you know sometimes doesn't match but it does and I, I was eager to learn that and also i think it's my personality i i never liked walking the same path to school or you know i would always find alternate routes even <laughs> if it was like longer or you know sketchy but I just hated like the boring, you know, same road every day. So yeah. I think with, with jazz, that was the biggest thing for me that it was so interesting. And like there was never a limit. There was never something that, you know, no borders basically. Interesting. So. And that's, and so we talked a little bit about your, uh, your education, but what about just the music scene in St. Petersburg at the time? Well, uh, so I got really lucky. I got into this music school, uh, Mussorgsky College of Music, and my professor was a really well-known jazz player who, who's been around, you know, for a while. He's, right now he's 86, so he's been around. <laughs> he's seen so many musicians all over the world. He played, uh, Cannibal Adderley's mouthpiece. So he, he was friends with many, many jazz guys. So, he had this band that was performing in St. Petersburg and then we would tour in Europe and uh, like in different places in Russia. It was called Saxophones of St. Petersburg. So it was about 18 to 20 saxophones, the finest musicians in town that maybe some of them used to be his students. Some of them were um, just outside that, you know, were talented and he picked them and we would play very very interesting music it was it was swing like 40s 30s right. 40s swing tunes and he orchestrated everything he had parts for everybody so it was very interesting sound so we would record and you know perform a lot rehearse a lot <laughs> and um so i got exposed to that kind of jazz like really classical swinging jazz that was great as a as a basis for me as a musician to learn about that culture, particular, you know, swinging right. culture. And then there were a lot of other things that people were doing because St. Petersburg and Moscow, they're very diverse. There is a lot of people come and go and a lot of festivals. So I would hear great musicians uh, visit. I would hear some great guys in town. So um, 
It's not like it's not dead there at all. Jazz is very alive and vibrant. Yeah, I had a taste of it myself uh, a few a couple of weeks ago. I was in Moscow actually. And, oh, uh, were you? I realized yeah. That uh, yeah, the scene there is pretty healthy. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So when did you decide to 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 move out to to move to the states? Uh, yeah, it was uh, 2007 when mm. I moved to America, and I have to say that. Um, the stuff I've seen here musically was just amazing. It was like a, a whole another layer of things that I was exposed to and saw, especially psychologically. There is, a, I think, some difference between musicians in Russia and uh, in America. So I think that was a whole, like, another rebirth for me as a musician. <laughs> Mosto corpo dourado do sol de Ipanema Do sei balançado e mais que poema E coisa mais linda que eu já vi passar Ah, porque estou tá sozinho Oh, porque tô tá tão triste Ah, a beleza que existe a beleza que não é minha, quem também passa sozinha. The song you are hearing just now is a take on the bossa nova standard The Girl from Ipanema by Helena Mack. This is one of the tracks from her new album Feel Again, available now. The record is also the result of her collaboration with the acclaimed Los Angeles-based keyboardist Scott Kinsey. And in this second part of the interview, we will talk more about this collaboration. So, let's get back to it. We will be talking in a little bit about uh, your album, uh, Feel Again, which uh, mm-hmm. is, is great. And uh, But first off, I, I was reading a little bit about you and uh, speaking of your move to the States, uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was that uh, I believe in t- uh, 2017 you've, you uh, co-founded a Soul Canvas, which is a project that I find very interesting. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? You probably don't know much about Seattle. Maybe you know the Starbucks and Microsoft and Boeing. Some other things are from here. <laughs> so that's more... Yeah, <laughs> well, Nirvana, uh, Jimi Hendrix, yes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, Bruce Lee. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but not so much jazz, right? Or, or so much ballet or so much... I mean, we hear maybe here and there, but not that much. So um, when I came here, I felt like... Um, there, I mean, the art scene is, it, there is some art scene, but it's not like great or it's not huge. So I was always kind of thinking that I wish I could um, do something, you know, contribute somehow to developing it more. And um, as I was playing with my band, I was playing with different musicians. There was this drummer, Devon Lewis, he's third generation musician in Seattle, great drummer, my favorite for sure in town. Uh, we were like, we were just, you know, chatting about things that are happening in Seattle and there's not much, not too many exhibitions, events, you know, as much as we'd like. And, uh, and, but there's so much talent that's sitting and, it, and it's not exposed really to the outer world. Like it's just in town. 
And we kind of, you know, bounced this idea of creating something that would showcase that talent, showcase to a wider audience. And uh, that's how Soul Canvas was born. Just, you know, after another rehearsal, we, you know, I came up with this name and I'm like, let's just do it. Let's create a, a platform for artists to showcase their talent. And it started in, in mostly for Pacific North, Northwest. So it was Washington State and Oregon. And we would just look for talent, uh, in different spheres. So it doesn't have to be music only. It had to, it could be dance. It could be ballet. It could be painting, cooking, you know, anybody who is really artistic about their profession. And, uh, so th- we would capture that on video and then post it online and promote it. And then we would like make those events sometimes where we would feature different artists, very creative, cool events. And uh, so that was going great. And then I started recording my album more uh, seriously and I had to focus on that. So I put a pause yeah. a little bit on Soul Canvas, but it's still, um, it's coming back. I think sure. in 22, uh, once, you know, things are opening a little more and uh, this whole like pandemic is over, hopefully I will, I plan really to go back to it because I think it's an amazing opportunity to, um, you know, showcase more talent more art and bring it to people's lives to show a little bit of backstage a little bit of the creative process that's what actually we were doing capturing the process of making art not like a ready product it was more like a live setting like you would do if you were just improvising you know yeah that's super interesting yeah Yeah. oh okay so let's talk about uh your your uh your album feel again feel again so yeah um so much to talk about when it comes to this, but uh, this is also a, a collaboration with Scott Kinsey, who, uh, among other things, was a founding member of Tribal Tech and has put yes. out some excellent <laughs> albums of his own, you know. Uh, can you tell me a bit about the origins of this collaboration? Yeah, so uh, we actually met on Instagram somehow, like we just liked each other's posts and, and we followed each other. And I saw that he was in LA, great player you know and musician and i remember my days when i was very um when i was a fan of joe zavinal there was a period of my life i went to his show so i knew that scott was his protege and then he actually produced joe zavinal's record so i'm like that's so cool he's a great musician and would be cool to at least get you know get to know each other and so i happened to be in la uh one day and i texted him i'm like hey do you happen to have a show that weekend that I'm in town? And he's like, matter of fact, I am. (laughs) So it was like written in the stars, seriously, because he was really not in town much. He was touring a lot. And, you know, that weekend that I'm there, he's there. And so I go to Baked Potato. It's a very famous jazz, not jazz, like music club place in LA, uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, so I went there and instantly we just clicked as as friends, as humans, you know, like we would joke, we, like the sense of humor was similar and we just clicked as as people. <laughs> and then I stayed for the show, we talked, like I got introduced to some of the musicians, including Gary Novak, who's on my album as well. And we just, you know, like musicians, like colleagues, we loved each other. We felt that, um, you know, that we kind of click is the word. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we would, uh, I think the next uh, time we met was at NAM, 
I don't know if you know, it's a huge exhibition, music exhibition in California that happens in Anaheim every year. It's like thousands of people, all the brands, like musical equipment, everything. So we met there again. And that's when Scott asked me, hey, so what's going on with your music? Like, are you recording anything and doing it? And I'm like, matter of fact, yes, I do. Uh, I'm working on my album. I started in Seattle and I recorded a few pieces. Uh, but I feel like it's not going where I feel it should go. Uh, and, but I'm still like, so I'm a little stuck on it, but I'm working. And he's like, well, maybe send me a couple tracks. Let me hear. I, I'm curious. And uh, so th that's when I wrote Feel Again, the song. And we I tried recording it and it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And I'm like, hey, I have this tune also. Maybe you can suggest something, you know, arrangement wise. And so that, that I sent him the track and he liked it. And he's like, can I hear the rest of the album? So I sent him a few tracks that I recorded um, in Seattle and well his words were like i love it i love your songs but i don't think they're getting the right vibe or like yeah. the right expression of the music you wrote uh how about i help you with that how about i produce the entire record and i'm like well <laughs> yeah. you don't need to ask me twice <laughs> right so uh we just uh, that's how it started because i'm like that would be awesome to add his knowledge of um, the, you know, harmony and voicings, because he's a genius in like creating those interesting voice um, lines, harmonic cool. lines. Yeah. So like we're very different style wise. He's more into fusion and, you know, all that crazy stuff. And I'm more into R&B and straight ahead jazz. <laughs> yeah. So and we collaborated and that's what Feel Again turned out to be like. Oh, that's so. That's great, yeah. and all that from uh, from Instagram. <laughs> that's how it <laughs> yep. started and then yes. developed into something. Yes, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, that's it's cool. You know, <laughs> and so the record features. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Six originals and three covers. And yes. uh, and and was it true that was it was recorded in two sessions in different places? Uh, so it, there is a there is two tunes that stayed pretty much original. It was Chance um, and uh, Weightless. So oh. that's what stayed from Seattle. And then um, most of the other tunes we redid in, in LA. Oh, cool. But yes, it was, um, I mean, it took actually like, I, I, I don't know, maybe five days total to record everything. Right. Uh, but it was a while until we figured everything out logistically and yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mentioned Weightless. That's that's one of my uh, favorite tracks in the record, actually. That's a really cool one. Uh, so you. one of the things that I noticed uh, uh, when I was listening to your record, actually, is that you do have a, a penchant for, for melody, uh, some of which I found instantly uh, memorable. How important is melody for you in terms of your songwriting process? That's very interesting that you point that out. Um, so... Going back to my uh, college days and my teacher, Gennady Goldstein, who had this uh, band, he would always say that, like, he played, you know, all kinds of music. He played even medieval music. He had, he had those crazy instruments from Middle Ages. And then he went to crazy, like, hard bop. Like, he had all those years in his long life, right? And he came back to, you know, the swing era. And that's when, what he wanted to play. And he was obsessed with the melody. He's like, music nowadays does not have the melody. <laughs> it has all kinds of chords, all kinds of, uh, it, it, like a little bit of it, even techy stuff, but it doesn't have, um, 
much melody and i think that's what he kind of really put into me my mind and i would i, I would also always pay attention to the melody and um i think that harmony is very important and the complexity is important because it carries the entire tune and it gives all the subtleties to the melody right or the music overall but if the melody is not memorable, if it's not, uh, um, if it's not touching, then I don't think it's gonna, I mean, maybe it will last among certain circles of people yeah. or musicians, but not like generally, you know. So I think that melody for me is very, very important. Sometimes yeah. I start with chords, like my music, and then I put the melody on top, but it's still, I try to polish the melody. Well, that's interesting because uh, somehow I think we failed to mention it all throughout our conversation, but you're also a vocalist. So I guess that does make sense <laughs> that you start off with the chords, but then you look for the melody uh, from those chords. And, and just in terms of melody, what I like to think is that uh, usually, you know, melody is a key to people's hearts. It's yes. interesting what you're saying that melody is lacking. I recently heard an interview with Sting and Sting said that the bridge is disappearing from pop songs and to him bridge is therapy. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting. Uh but but yeah, that's an insight into your your songwriting process and yeah, we're kind of we're kind of running out of time, but I do want to also talk about the sound because uh on top of the melody of course I noticed uh various influences of various kinds, various genres including a nice latin tinge on a couple of numbers. <laughs> And, and, and what I, what I, what I really wanted to ask you aside from that, and maybe this kind of ties into the Soul Canvas project we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, so do you find that you're inspired by things besides music itself? Like, are you inspired by visual arts, poetry, literature, and absolutely, other absolutely. And that's in part, maybe, I don't know, you're probably not aware, but I started a clothing line as well during oh. pandemic, uh, fashion. I'm really into that stuff as well. So I, I get my inspiration from movies a lot. I love good cinematography. I love, uh, you know, I think maybe because I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, I, I was exposed to so much art, different kinds of art, architecture, uh, ballet, symphony, uh, food, you know, all kinds of things that tr- like uh, kind of contributed to me as a person. So I think it you can see it in my art as well. It's pretty eclectical, my music. I, you know, I traveled to Rio when I was... Um, 20 and I was so in, I felt so in love with uh, Brazil and the culture and the music so I just it kind of stayed with me so I think I'm absorbing all those things from different uh, sources of art and that's what I try to bring into my music my art whatever yeah. I do yeah Cool, cool. Well, Elena, we've run out of time uh, and, and uh, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thanks very Thank much you. for joining Likewise. us. Likewise. Thank you, Matt, for having me.
hope you enjoyed our conversation with Elena Mack. Her new album, Feel Again, is available now. And I hope you will join me again next week for more globetrotting conversations and a new episode of Jazz is Travel. In the meantime, why not take the time to check out previous episodes of this series or check out more content on our website, jazzis.com, including news, reviews, playlists, and much more. And of course, you get even more when you subscribe. But till the next time, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon. Yeah.